today we're going to look at and think about one of the Ten Commandments, but it might not call this a sermon because it's going to be a history lesson. Now, how many of you like history? Some of you like history. Not everyone likes history, but uh, it's going to be a history lesson and more than a sermon. So keep that in mind as we uh, share today. So if I, if I had you take a dictionary and look up a word, you would find this definition. And the word is eugenics. Eugenics. And this is a, this is a dic- dictionary definition. The study of our belief in the possibility of improving the quality of human species or a human population, especially by such means as discouraging reproduction by persons having genetic, genetic defects or presumed to have inheritable, undesirable traits. Negative eugenics or encouraging reproduction by persons presumed to have inherited desirable traits or positive genetics, eugenics. So, whoa, that's quite a definition, isn't it? Uh, And there's a person associated with the word eugenics. You know, different words have sometimes names of people who started that word or thought of it first. The man' name is Francis Galton. You ever heard the name Francis Galton? Francis Galton is the one who created the word eugenics, okay? And he's the founder of the eugenics movement. Now, he actually coined the term eugenics, E-U-G-E-N-I-C-X-S. He coined the word. Now, the idea came about in the 19th century and there, that there was a superior race among us in, America, in the world. There's a superior race. And it was the Northern Europeans uh, are the supreme race. Okay? So, uh, did you know that? They're the supreme race. So, thus, the goal is to improve the human species, to increase the numbers of the superior race, and decrease inferior races. So this man, uh, Francis Galton, had the idea that we need to improve the superior race and decrease all other races that are inferior. We're going to have to do that. All right? So without Galton, there would be no Adolf Hitler. Without Galton, there would be no Adolf Hitler. There would be no Holocaust. In 1857, he stated that the African is not our equal in brain or heart. He also stated in 1873 that the average uh, African race has too little intellect and self-reliance and self-control to make possible for them to sustain any possible improvement. Wow, that's a pretty serious statement. Absolute racism was what that's talking about, spewing forth of the mouth of Francis Galton. Racism, are we familiar with that term today in America? It's happening all around us, this idea of racism, okay? Now, his family, by the way, made their wealth off of the slave trade, Francis Galton, okay? And there's another name 
Remember, this is a history lesson. There is another name that most people are not aware of in connection with this person, Francis Galton. And that is a name that I'm going to mention in just a moment, but his name is associated with evolution. Okay? And if you're an intellectual, if you're an educated person, evolution, evolution, evolution is a is what people know and believe in, okay? And so, how many people are aware th- that Charles Darwin was a cousin of Francis Galton? Francis Galton got his idea about a superior race from Charles Darwin. Whoa. So, educated people, if you're, if you're educated, you believe in evolution, that we came from tiny tadpoles and that kind of thing, from monkeys and all those kind of things, okay? So, Francis Galton got his idea from his cousin, Charles Darwin. So, what about Charles Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest? It is this that eugenics is all about. Survival of the fittest. The superior race is going to be in control. And any other superior or inferior people, they need to be done away with. Okay, that's eugenics. That's the idea of eugenics. So his idea is the fittest survive and the weak die off. Okay, so the fittest survive better when the weak are eliminated. Let's get rid of the weak. Instead of the biblical principles of uplifting the downtrodden, the Bible view is that there are always going to be poor people among us. We lift them up. We build them up. We encourage them. We help them. Jesus coming to die for sinners because we couldn't help ourselves is the biblical gospel. And he came to uplift everybody. We're all his children. None of us are any better than anyone else. We're all God's children. And so uh, to Darwin, we can improve things just like a species does by eliminating the weak. And that's what his idea was. So Charles Darwin was the founder of the idea, and his cousin got it from him that you can eliminate the weak and, and help the uh, superior race survive. And so that's where racism came about, this idea that there's a superior race. So who are the favorite races? Well, of course... It's the Western Europeans, okay, the Northern Europeans. And, of course, savages, races will be exterminated, done away with. Let's do away with the, the savage races around us. So eugenics became the main thrust across the board. And from the sciences to the social scientists to the political realm to economics, eliminating the weak to improve and better the race. That's where it began with Charles Darwin and Francis Galton. So it was called eugenics at the time, and there were named organizations that funded it. There were people in America who funded the eugenics movement. Let me name some of them. Rockefeller. Standard Oil, Rockefellers. Carnegie Steel. They had their headquarters in Cold Springs Harbor, New York. Carnegie Steel, heard of that? 
Heard of Rockefellers, Standard Oil? These were people, these wealthy people that funded and supported the eugenics movement. Okay? Uh, so the leader of America was chosen by, the leader in America of the eugenics movement was chosen by Adolf Hitler to write Germany's uh, eugenics laws and to help round up Africans in Germany and other races, the Jews, of course, and put them into experiments. Terrible experiments were done. Because they're going to do away with them. Let's just do all kinds of experiments with them. Let's see how long someone can stand in a boiling water. Let's just see how long they can live. Uh, let's see how long something, or what can happen to someone if they just, you know, light the fire to them. They did these experiments on hundreds and thousands of people. Millions of people were killed. So we can see that Satan was up to something using Hitler and eugenics. And you can see how America used these organizations, Standard Oil, Carnegie Steel, and others, were basically involved with Hitler's extermination of everyone but them. Everyone but them. Let's get rid of everyone but them. Okay? So Adolf Hitler called this American eugenics book printed about destroying inferior people as his Bible. So Adolf Hitler bought into this eugenics thing, and he's, he called that way of eliminating people, inferior people, as his, as his Bible. So there were many Americans praising Hitler at the time for what he was doing, creating a great race of people. Did you know that Adolf Hitler was named by Time magazine as Man of the Year? Time Magazine, Man of the Year. Can you believe that? Of course, that was before they knew what all he was doing. But he was, he was creating this superior race of people. Adolf Hitler was. Some Americans even met with Hitler's killers to show them how to do things in the Holocaust. It was the Rockefeller's money that was helped in the Kaiser Wilhelm part of the German eugenics project. You would be surprised to hear of famous people in America, even church leaders, who were involved in the 1920s and the 1930s of the eugenics project and eugenics program. Let me name someone that you might have heard of before. John Harvey Kellogg. 1907, began to leave the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He was a faithful Seventh-day Adventist. Ellen White made a statement about him. He was the best surgeon ever. He, he, he completed 50,000 successful surgeries, John Harvey Kellogg. He was the best surgeon in America and the world. But he left the church. And he began to sterilize, wanted to sterilize people who were defective. John Harvey Kellogg. Ballot Creek became an epicenter of the eugenics movement after he left the church during the time he was a Seventh-day Adventist. He hosted conferences on the betterment of the races. He departed from the truth and drove into satanic teachings of eugenics. It's satanic. Eugenics is. The natural consequence of saying no to God's 
authority. That's what happened to John Harvey. He said no to God's authority, and he went into the eugenics movement. If we say no to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. If we say no to the sixth day of creation, what happens to us? Well, we can see what happened to, uh, to John Harvey Kellogg, which means natural selection and survival of the fittest. The weak should die off, but this leads naturally to evolutionary theories. Kellogg thought he knew better than God. Isn't that what happens when we leave God? We think we know better than God. He left the church and became a prominent leader of the eugenics movement in America. I never heard that before. I heard about this, and I thought, my, John Harvey, when he left God, anything can happen when you leave God, and that's what happened to John Harvey Kellogg. The Bible, of course, does not teach that we should put down the downtrodden. The Bible teaches that the alien, the widow, the orphan, the poor should be taken care of. We need to be caring for the poor. We need to be interested in, in poor people. You know, when I go to Dallas, uh, different intersections, you have people reaching out their hand wanting money. They have a little sign, anything will help. You ever seen signs like that? Anything will help. And you see those people, and like uh, Brother Boyd taught this morning in our Sabbath school lesson, that we should not look down upon it. We should have the eyes of Jesus. But we look at those people and say, we wouldn't want those people in our church. They're filthy. They're dirty. They're nasty. You know, and and yet, how are we to look at those people? Jesus, would he pass by them? He may not have given them money, but he would certainly have a nice, kind word to say to them, wouldn't he? He'd feed them, yes, take care of them. So let's not forget the biblical teaching of this, but we are, we are people of the book, not putting down people that we think are less important than we are building up all people. Uh, because all people are created in God's image. All people have, as we discussed in our Sabbath school lesson this morning, they have God. We're all God's children. And therefore, there's that something in each one of us of a desire for the things of God. So, uh, we're not, if, if we're controlled by the things around us, the, the ideas of people, then we can be dragged this way or that. And we can buy all kind of ideologies, all kind of teachings. But we need to stick to the Bible. The Bible is our guide. And what does the Sixth Commandment say? Thou shalt not kill. Wow. What if they had listened to that? But no, let's have a superior race. Let's just get rid of those who are not like us. So in the early 20s, 20th century, if you wanted to be somebody... If you wanted to be intellectual, you had to be a part of the eugenics movement. You had to be a part of that. You would be considered backward to not be accepting the sciences of the day. Isn't that what we hear a lot about today? Science. We've got to go by science. How many times have you heard that? Well, science tells us to do this. Well, back in the 1920s, if you wanted to be someone, you've got to go by the science. Got to live by the scientists. Uh, what are creationists, people who believe in creation, what are they thought of today? How are they thought of? Ignorant? Uh, less educated? If you believe in creation, how can you believe in creation? But the science, the science is telling us this and that. We've got to wait for the science. I think we need to be waiting on God, don't you? Look to God. So we can be... We can be swayed today 
easily swayed to follow the dominant theology, which says that we must make laws to enforce Sunday. Do you see that coming? We, we need to make laws to enforce Sunday. That, it did. It happened. And so we can see that. Sunday is sacred. We know, we know about that. In fact, that's the last event. When, when we can't buy or sell, when the Sunday laws are enforced, that's it. Uh, close the book. Probation is closed. When you can't buy or sell, that's the last thing in Revelation 14 is going to happen. And when, that's, when that happens, all bets are off. That's it. Okay? And we can see we're getting closer and closer to that right now. It's going to happen. It's coming. How much longer, we don't know. Uh, now, you can be considered far right. You know, we hear the right and the left. Far right would be, let's make Sunday laws. Uh, far left would be socialism, ideology, that kind of thing, far left. And so, you can be in either extreme. And so, where do we need to be as Christians? Right in the middle, yeah, right in the middle, okay? Here's some statements from patriarchs and prophets that I think will be helpful to us. Patriarchs and prophets, 535, paragraph 2 and 3. There are many who urge with great enthusiasm that all men should have an equal share in the temporal blessings of God. Have you heard that? Well, let's make all people equal. That's socialism, okay? But this was not the purpose of the Creator, a diversity of condition is one of the means by which God designs to prove and develop character. Yet he intends that those who have worldly possessions shall regard themselves merely as stewards of his goods, as entrusted with means to be employed for the benefit of the suffering and the needy. Then paragraph 3. God has said that we shall have the poor always with us, and he unites his interest with that of his suffering people. The heart of our Redeemer sympathizes with the poorest and lowliest of, the, this earth, of his earthly children. He tells us that they are his representatives on earth. He has placed them among us to awaken in our hearts the love that he feels toward the suffering and oppressed. Pity and benevolence shown to them are accepted by Christ as if shown to himself. An act of cruelty or neglect toward them is regarded as though done to him. And so we can see the Bible perspective of people who are not like us, different nationality, different cultures. What does God think of them? This is the way we should think of them. So do you hear the right balance here? We don't want to be dragged one way or the other by human opinion. We want to have the right balance in our understanding of people and where we are. So just a warning, what happened to Kellogg? Remember, he became a leader in the eugenics movement. What happened to Kellogg could happen to any of us if we stop basing our belief on the Word of God. Our beliefs come from the Bible and the Bible only. So Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, of course, unclogged the machine of extermination. Uh, they became murderous fiends and they became proud of it. Murderous. Proud to be that. Proud of killing people. And they were supported by these big companies in America. Rockefeller, Carnegie Steel, supported by them. But eugenics would need to become a little more shrewd for America because the world opinion was coming against Adolf Hitler after the, you know, when they, people discovered, most people discovered what he was doing. People began to, you know, kind of back away from Adolf Hitler. So what can we do in America uh, 
particularly as World War II dawned to a, to a close, uh, and people understood what was happening. What can we do in America to keep on with eugenics? Hold on to your seats. The American eugenics was very early set on. We're going to go about this in a very different way. We're going to go about eugenics in a tactful way. Tactful eugenics, if we could say that. This was Frederick Osborne, president of the American Eugenics, eugenics Society. He said, eugenics goal must have a name other than eugenics. What should we call it uh, if we're really going to control the births of inferior people? So what should we call it in America? So the name birth control was chosen. You ever heard that before? Birth control was chosen. So the American Birth Control League was, was founded. Margaret Sanger was the founder of the American Birth Control Movement. Margaret Sanger. She said, what we call birth control is identical with the goals of eugenics. Identical? Get rid of the inferior people. Birth control, the same goal as eugenics. Whoa. Birth control to control a race of thoroughbreds. We want that thoroughbreds. We want the superior race to be in control. So what we might consider birth control, having so many join, we can take care of them. Uh, you know, when we consider birth control, there's nothing wrong with birth control. You know, have as many kids as you can take care of. You know, control them and, uh, and feed them and clothe them. That's birth control. But that's totally different than the goals of eugenics. Uh, what these people did say was that they were trying to rend society of the feeble-minded people, less superior in their eyes, let's get rid of those people, let's kill them. But we're going to do it in this way. So Margaret Sanger was in high demand to speak at the KKK rallies. Birth control. She was speaking the same language of that, of those people, control the races, be in control of the races. So in 1938, the leaders of this organization said, let's change the name from American Birth Control League to Planned Parenthood. They just changed the name. Okay. Now you know why this is called Planned Genocide, because they were eugenics of that day. It is identical with what you asked the founder of American Birth Control Movement. Same, same goals, the eugenics movement. So remember, this is a history lesson today. Not quite a sermon. We're giving history. Does it help us to know our history? What's happening in America? Let's get rid of history. Let's tear down all these images and statues. Let's get rid of history. We need to know our history. Uh, so, I want to say right here that there are people who have been part of the Planned Parenthood part of that and how many how many abortions were performed in America last year only about two million and there's big people involved I know I know someone I went to school with they had an abortion and he's in college university Andrews and they thought it was okay uh, is any killing okay of anybody? No. You know, 
Uh, well, so what is the sixth commandment? Is it the unpardonable sin if you kill somebody? Moses killed somebody. David killed somebody. Is that, was that the unpardonable sin? for them? No. God forgives. And God forgives those. So I want to say, you know, for those people who have been involved with this, God does forgive and God does love and God does care. But the, in the 1990s, the president of Planned Parenthood did admit that it is killing the baby. That's what they were doing. They admitted that. The Bible calls the unborn baby a child, doesn't it? It's not nothing. It's a child. So when we went to war against Hitler, then eugenics movement in America fell out of favor with many people. But it didn't go away. Uh, the goal was to rebrand eugenics in a post-war setting. And that's what we did in America. In Sweden, 66,000 were sterilized during the heyday of eugenics. 66,000. So where is plant, Planned Parenthood mostly emphasized? When they emphasize Planned Parenthood, where is it mostly emphasized? In the poor neighborhoods. Isn't that true? In the poor neighborhoods. Eliminate them slowly so that the living ones are not affected. So this is Planned Parenthood. How many people are more likely to be uh, killed? People from those poor neighborhoods. The same organization that supported eugenics before World War II are the same ones doing it now in America. Mrs. Ginsburg admitted that Roe versus Wade was really not about personal choice or reproductive rights, but controlling the births of poor people. She admitted that. It was never about freedom of conscience because we never have the right to kill anybody. We never have that right. The right is a person's right to life. It was never about women's advancement. All these reasons is not covering up the most disgusting, murderous thing ever happening ever happened in America and ever happened in the world. One man bragged to the media that his abortion clinics were just like fast food places. They were able to do hundreds of thousands of them. We do like an assembly line, he said. In the 70s and 80s, population control is too important to be stopped by some right-wing or pro-life movement. Not personal choice, women's empowerment, but population control. All these are clever marketing strategies to cover up the murderous uh, movement of the eugenics movement. Racist. The idea of racist underbelly is the most horrible injustice that you can find in the history of America. And so we have this Black Lives Movement. Are they for abortions? What are they for? Killing their own people. What's the difference between the ideology of KKK? What if the KKK had founded Planned Parenthood instead of Margaret Sanger, who everybody idolizes? Both ideologies are identical. The KKK and Margaret Sanger Planned Parenthood. They're the same thing. The same company that created the chemical in Germany to kill people is the same company in America that kills babies. Same company. 
So this is a commandment issue. It's not a right or left issue, but it's a commandment issue. What if I were able to reproduce the sights and sounds of an abortion before you? What if we were able to do that? It would be terrible to watch it, to see it. And yet America gives $300 million a year to Planned Parenthood. America, our country, country that we love. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 4. Last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, verse 4, which I commanded to him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So we're told there in verse 5, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah is going to reappear on the scene. In the days of Jesus, uh, here was John the Baptist preaching, and Jesus said John the Baptist was Elijah. But before the great and terrible day of the Lord. What day is that? That's the coming of Jesus. So Elijah is going to reappear on the scene. What was the message of Elijah? Well, you remember on Mount Carmel, he had a a very important uh, discussion with people up there. And they had a test who was the real God on Mount Carmel. But what was the message of Elijah? If you look at the message of Elijah very carefully you discover that it was about one thing, calling people back to the commandments of God. Not just the fourth commandment. Not just, remember the Sabbath day, but all ten commandments. Calling people back. Isn't that the work of the Seventh-day Adventist, call people back to the commandments? You know, we don't talk about these things. We don't talk about that much in the church. You know, we just don't talk about much anymore. (laughs) We need to be talking about what is important. What is important? The commandments of God. That's why God has called this church into existence. Is to proclaim the ten, not just the Sabbath, but all the commandments. Aren't they important? Every single one. And God has called us to call people back to the commandments of God. And so today we've looked at just one commandment, thou shalt not kill. Uh, And it goes on every day. You know, when they closed down things in America, guess what they didn't close down? They didn't close down the abortion centers. They didn't close it down. They closed down the churches. Closed down other things, but they didn't close down those things. Can you imagine? So, we need to pray for our country. I'm proud to be American. I'm proud to be in America. But am I proud of everything America's done? No. Uh, can we do better? Yes. Can we do better? God's in control. And he's going to have a people.
who uphold his law, the law of God. That is what is not talked about so much today, God's law. And I want to uphold God's law. I want to proclaim to the world that there is a law out there, and we're going to be judged by every single one of those commandments. Aren't we? Every single one. And so God has given us a a commission. God has given us a calling to share the love of God. Those commandments are not grievous. Those commandments is what makes us who we are as a people. And we need to be closer to those than ever before. All the commandments, not just the sixth commandment, of course. And so, you know, one of the things we started doing in our little church there in in DeKalb is every Sabbath, we first started off doing the fourth commandment. Every Sabbath, repeating the fourth commandment. But I said, there's nine others. (laughs) Why don't we repeat all ten of them? And so that's why in our responsive reading this morning, we did all ten. But, you know, when people come to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, they should know a few things. When they walk into those doors back there, they they should know that we keep the Sabbath. But they should also know that we respect the Ten Commandments. Like back there on the wall back there, you got the Ten Commandments, okay? I helped my brother over in uh, between DeKalb and uh, New Boston before you get to, is it, yeah, Hooks. You ever heard of Hooks, Texas? Past New Boston, I mean, between DeKalb and Texarkana. There's a big billboard sign there. My brother has a, a little outlet store there in, in Hooks. And across the road, he owns some land there. And across the road there, there's, there's a big sign. And I helped him put up a Ten Commandments sign there. My brother gives those things out all the time. Now, my brother's not going to church. Avenues, he goes to Baptist church. But uh, he wanted to put up that sign. And he gives, everybody comes in the office. He has on his billboards everywhere the Ten Commandments. All ten of them, which is good. So my Chuck's doing a, doing a good job of doing that. But we need to be proclaiming God's law. God's law is not grievous, is it? Aren't you glad for God's law? I'm so happy for God giving us the law of God. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your law that you've given to us. It's been our guide. And may it be the guide of our country again. But we know, dear Father, that Satan works terrible ways of destroying people's faith in the Word of God. Thank you that the Seventh-day Adventist Church upholds the Bible as its standard upholds the Ten Commandments. And we thank you, Father, that you have placed in our heart a desire to love all people, that you have taken out any ideas of superiority in our own hearts and lives. Take it out if there is still any left there that we might have true love for all people. Give us the eyes of Jesus in our life, in our work for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.